the book of Acts. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. This week we're going to be working with kids and the life of Joseph. And the defining characteristic of Joseph is found here, and the Lord was with him. And I want to preach about the Lord being with you tonight. Now, listen very carefully because I'm preaching with purpose and I'm going to have to go time limit so I can't just sit here and just tell y'all how great y'all are and all that good stuff. Well, they do that, don't they, when they come up in here? But I do appreciate the opportunity and love this church. Two purposes tonight. If you're here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, You'll never have the presence of God in your life until you trust Christ as Savior. That is the key for every human being that's on this planet is to first know the presence of the Lord in salvation. And you might not be a martyr and you might not be a prophet, but I guarantee you, you're a sinner. That's all it takes and you can go in, but you have to go in the right way with the presence of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the second purpose is this. And I did this with this in mind. I know this church, and I know some of your people, and I know some of your young people coming up, and I know that this church is a working church, and this church has got people in it serving the Lord, and I'm kicking the monitor here. And uh, young people, I want you to appeal your ears and listen closely, because the main thing I want you to know is this. If you're a child of God, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to have any satisfaction in life until you find out what God has for you, and His presence will let you know what that is. And some of you here, some of you young people right here, some of these girls, some of these boys right here, if you will listen, God will speak to you. And it will be wonderful what God can do with you. The Bible says in the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 6, verse 9, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Go back to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Got to get my notes. You stray from your notes, you can't be on time. I want to let you know this. We talked about salvation. I'm going to major a lot on service. The world will never understand. Uh, We have a brand of Christianity going around in this country today where they feel like all you got to do is get saved. Everything is going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and no trouble. The world will never understand that we work for that which is eternal, that which is unseen. The world's not going to understand you. Young people, the world would not understand you if you approach it from the right viewpoint, God's viewpoint. Few Christians today, sadly, will understand that either. And they will miss the palace that Joseph winds up in. Joseph lost his coat twice. He never lost his character once. Young people, we live in a world where God wants to use you and Satan wants to destroy you, and there's a lot of you children here, young people here, young adults here, you're born-again believers and you're serious about serving God, you're in a good church where you're hearing the Word of God, and God wants to use you, and Satan wants to make you where you're not usable. He lost his coat twice. He never lost his character once. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to keep some character. 
The other thing is this, in this life, around us, we are taught, oh my goodness, woe is me, I don't have an economic advantage. I was born depraved. I'm never going to be able to get out of this. I'm not as smart as they are. I'm a victim. You need to support me. I'll tell you something. If you're going to view your whole life, are you going to ask yourself this? Are you sold or are you sent? And you're going to have to remove all the secondary causes in your life if you're ever going to serve God correctly. But understanding that the events that God brings into your life, he's trying to send you someplace. He's not sold you anywhere. The word for the presence of God is the same as the face of God. God is everywhere, but his manifest presence is not. Let me explain it like this. I can be in the room with another man, and the other man can be in the same room that I'm in. But if we are not facing each other, and he's not looking toward me, and I'm looking toward him, we have no fellowship. So until we turn our faces toward each other, we are really not in each other's manifest presence. Seventeen times, set my face, or some phrase of it, is used. And seventeen times, it's always God's face is against them. In Psalms, presence is used nineteen times, and referring to God. But only five times is presence uh, used in the Gospels specifically to God. If there's anything that we are missing in our churches and in our Christian walk is the presence of God. I go into churches and it's just a form of godliness. I'm sad to say I don't have to preach anymore about the Presbyterians, the Methodists, and the Southern Baptists. I can park right on Independent Fundamental Baptist. Sitting in our pews, most people would not know the presence of God from anything. And we have in many of our churches tried to substitute the presence of God in our midst when God used to be in our midst, when we used to have power with people, and the gospel used to be preached with power in our churches, but now we have substituted with a cheap substitute trying to think that we can work it all up by some form of entertainment, and that is not the presence of God. i got to move quickly. i move quickly. Well, I've got to tap my phone first. Okay, okay, here we go. Joseph's life, he's a type of Christ, most perfect type in the Old Testament of Christ. His uh, life's journey can be remembered by this, and we'll be using this in the thing. Uh, his parents' house is where he starts, from his parents' house to the pit from the pit to Potiphar's house, from Potiphar's house to the prison, from the prison to the palace. But it doesn't end there. If you go to the last chapter of Genesis, they put his body in a coffin. Only time that word is used in Scripture. And ladies, it's the same thing as hope chest. He said, I want to be buried in the promised land. And they do. They take his bones out of Egypt. That's how you can remember. Also, he can be identified as a son the favorite son. He was also a slave. And he becomes sovereign over all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. But more than that, he becomes a savior to millions in that day. 
and all of his family. He's definitely the type of Christ. I want to say these things to you. Let's move real quick on this thing. Joseph had to make the choice to make the presence of God his choice over everything else. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to turn loose of everything else, and you're going to have to say, I'm going to pursue the presence of God in my life. Young people, if you've ever thought that the Lord might be dealing with you about some type of specific service, you need to know this that you're going to have to make the presence of God number one in your life. Without the presence of God in your life, without the presence of God in this church, we're powerless, we can do nothing, and we're going to be totally drifting. Jacob's life was built on three main dreams. We don't have time to get into it. Now, in the day when this was written, the day the story of Joseph is talking about, let's go back to that part, when Joseph was there, there was no written word. There was not one scrap of written scripture for Joseph. Everything they knew of God and how to worship him. Parents, get a hold of this. They picked up from watching mom and dad. And most of what your kids are going to learn about serving God in the presence of God is going to be coming from what example they see you set. And if you discount the things of the Lord, and if you put church on the back burner, if you put things like God on the back burner, the Word of God, prayer, all of those things, your kids will see that, and that's what they will know about how to worship God. You better be careful. Now, because Jacob's life was built on three dreams, and in the day when there was no written word, he still didn't believe his son's dreams. And that's one reason why we know how Jacob was probably backslidden at that time. Joseph's first dream in Genesis 37-7 was about the earth. His second dream was about heaven in chapter 37, verse 9. Joseph believed the dreams because God was behind them. Young people, get this if you don't get some other stuff. If God is not behind your dreams, they will come to nothing. With God's favor, you're without God's favor, I should say, your life will have no meaning and come to nothing. And if you're lost and you don't have the presence of God by salvation, your life will come to nothing and you'll wind up in hell. Dreams that come from God, they give you direction and they will last for the duration. All others are illusions that will vanish quickly. They will disappear. Dreams from God do not. Let God give you a dream. Satan will send you the illusion. God will give you a dream. Who put into your heart to do what you're doing? Was it your illusion? Was it God's dream? It's God's dream. It will not fade. It will endure. When God speaks to you, young people, you will know it's God. When God speaks... You'll know it's God. Only when we are close to God can we hear Him. 
He has a plan. He has a promise. And he has a purpose for your life. And the purpose of God for your life, the purpose that God has for your life, I can tell you what it is. It's others. Just like Joseph's dream is going to lead to the salvation physically of the people starving in Egypt and in the countries around him and his own family. Your purpose in your dream to be fulfilled by God that he's given you is for others. I can't tell you specifically what that dream is, but I will tell you this, that God desires each one of his kids to be aware of his manifest presence in their life, and he wants to give them a dream with purpose and promise in their lives. And it will involve others. Why do you think we do what we do? We're going to give gospel out this year to your children once again. More than likely, because I know how y'all work. I know that you will get a lot of kids in here. I know what we're going to give. I know what my wife's going to do. And I know what this book says. And I know what the gospel is. And the gospel is powerful. And I know that if we give it, it's not because my wife's a ventriloquist and a good storyteller. It's not because I might do some trick or some illusion. But I know this is because of Jesus Christ and the power that he has promised that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And the power of the gospel has not changed. And if you present it to lost people, people will get saved. And I can predict that just because of that very fact, we're going to see some children saved this week. Our purpose is for others. God needs to give you a dream. God needs to put that in you. Young people, look for that dream. Don't fall for the illusions that Satan will send your way. You don't need that stuff. Get away from that stuff. You need to have a dream that relies totally on God and His presence in your life. God speaks to you in the matter of salvation to give you something. I was so glad when He spoke to me. I'll tell you this all the time. I was nine, almost ten years old. And I remember with my spiritual ears, I heard him calling me to himself. And I went down to the altar, and as best I knew how, I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and be my Savior. And I was so glad he called me. But he was more glad that I came. And in salvation, God's presence, he wants to give you something. But the next time he will speak to you, people, it will be to ask you to do something. Chapter 37, verse 13, Jacob says to his son, I want you to go down 50 miles, check on the boys, see how the herds are doing, how the flocks are doing. And he said, here am I. Young people, if God was to call you, that's the only answer that will ever give you peace. Here am I. Never say no to God. You'll regret every moment that you live saying no to God. As I said earlier, from Adam now that we get to Joseph, worship was always at an altar. And the only thing that children knew about the altar was what they learned from their parents. 
there was no written word, only dreams and visions. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, there's a whole section there where Peter says, I saw the Lord transfigured with my own eyes. But he says in verse 19, but now we have a more sure word of prophecy. And Peter says, I can count on this book more than I can count on my personal experience. And you're not looking for some kind of vision of God at 2 o'clock in the morning after you've eaten bad pepperoni on a pizza. And you don't look and see an 800-foot Jesus telling you to build a prayer tower in Tulsa. I don't care who you are. When you see Jesus, these old people say, I saw Jesus in it. No, when you see Jesus, you do what Isaiah did. You fall down at your face. Woe is me. You do like what John did on Patmos. You fall down. We're not looking for that. You need to make God's Word your guide. It is complete. It is trustworthy. It is precious. And it is final in all things. And if you don't heed God's written word, he's never going to give you his specific word for your life. You desperately need the presence of God in your life. But until you get in this book and submit to it, he's never going to call you specifically and say, I want you to go to Honduras. That's not the way it works. You can't say, well, Brother Monk, I've started this bass boat ministry. In my flesh, I'd do it. I love to fish. God's word says what? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. God does not lead contrary to his word. And if you don't listen to this book, he's not going to speak to you like he did to Joseph. What made the difference in Joseph's life and his brothers is that he believed God. The brothers and their father did not. My question to you is this. Will you believe God? Will you believe what God says in His Word? Will you turn your face to Him? Let His presence be manifest in your life. And then if God was to speak specifically to you to do something, would you say, here am I? Joseph will be the key to his family surviving the famine. Many times, one person is the key to a family salvation. A Philippian jailer, Noah, my neighbor across the fence from us in Alabama. Got a few minutes, let's cover the pit. It's not all sunshine and roses when you serve God. Joseph wanted his father's approval. You're never going to get to where you're serving God the way he wants you to. In Joseph's case, it was in the palace. Till you go through the pit. There's certain things that happens in the pit. So be aware because young people, if God does touch you, call you into something specific for him, a special calling, a higher calling, a humbling calling. you're going to go through some pit experiences in your life. Now, Joseph wanted his father's approval. He wanted his brother's acceptance. And he was rejected by them all. But God was about to show him that he only needed 
God to accept and approve of him. Young people, if you're going to follow God, some of you right here, I know God is probably dealing with you about a special calling on your life. You need to know only when you serve one master, when God accepts and approves of you, are you going to be able to go and do his will. God deals with you as an individual. And sometimes in your life, God will only give you the understanding as to why certain things happen in your life. Joseph's life will be forever changed by the sins of others. And that's a sad fact. There's been many a drunk driver run over somebody that's that's innocent and they've lost a limb through the accident or they've lost a loved one through the accident. It was not their fault. It was the drunk's fault. Your life can be affected by the sins of others also. But know this, that in the pit, God is more interested in what Joseph will be, not how he feels. And if you're going to serve God, you need to know that. God is more interested in what he's trying to make of you than what you feel about it. That strong meat, some of you will not understand that, but it's true. God is going to rid in the pit Joseph of anything like covetousness in his life. And it's going to start with that coat of many colors where he was identified as the father's favorite was stripped from him. And when you get in the pit, you're going to find everything you depended on. Your identity, your little coat of many colors is going to be stripped away from you. Because in the pit, you are always alone. In the pit, it always happens fast. In the pit, it's always confusing. Joseph did not understand why his brothers did that to him. But know this, the pit is always survivable because his final destination was not that pit, it was the palace. And the pit is always there to teach you that God is in control. The pit will reveal two things. It will reveal those seeking the favor of God, but it will also reveal those who are the enemy of God. And a lot of times the enemy of God will be like Joseph. It'll be his own brethren. In the pit, he was alone except for God and his dreams. He knew from his dreams that he believed that he was going to have these other things bow down, happen to him, but that's not going to happen in the pit, is it? He's alone in the pit without his coat, without his identity. He's a nobody. He's a nothing. He's in the pit all alone just with him and his dreams and God. He had no strength to remove himself. Notice this too, young people, if you ever decide that God has called you to something special and God wants to work in your life. People who don't serve God don't like people who follow him and serve him. His family rejected him. His brothers sold him and they said he was worthless. But in the end, they sold him for 20 pieces of silver in verse 28 of the 37th chapter. 
I remember when my father got saved, family thought he went crazy. When he surrendered to preach, they said, what a waste of your life. The pit was only temporary. Praise God for that. The palace was where he was headed. But God, young people, will never tell you the final destination until he is ready. 17-year-old boy thrown down into that pit, sold by his brothers, and he had no idea how he was going to wind up in the palace, and God was not going to reveal that to him for years. In the pit, the only thing that he had was God. But it was in the pit where he found out that God was all he needed. When you have nothing left but God that is with you, that's when you found out he's everything you have need of. I know I'm probably preaching to a saved crowd on a Sunday night. If you're here, and you say, Brother Mark, the presence of the Lord, I've never felt God in my life at all. There'll be an invitation a little bit. Soon I'm going to pray and turn this over to pastor. I'd beg of you not to leave this building until you talk to some of us. Do something about that now. Because God wants you. And if it's in the matter of salvation, he'll speak to you and make it plain even tonight. But when I look out and I see some of these young people that over the past few years we've watched grow up, some of them are very precious to me. Parents, church members, look around you. There's kids here, young adults here. God is wanting to put his hand on them. Pastor, he's wanting them to do some special service. I don't know what it is. I am confident that in this very building, God has been speaking before I ever got here to some of your young people. You've got them in camp. You get them in church. They're in everything around here. They're being brought up by the things of God and a pastor that's putting the word of God in them. You tell me that God's not going to be willing to speak to these young people? You mean to tell me that God does not want to make himself real to these people, these children, these young adults? Right now as I'm preaching, there's something I do know. God can walk up in the aisles of these churches and down these pews. And he can put his hand on you and he can say, look at me, child, in the face. I've got something for you. Let me put a dream in your life. Let me do things with you that you cannot imagine. Do you feel the presence of God here tonight? 
It's not a feeling thing, but it sure is a good feeling when it comes. What are y'all going to do about it? Are you going to support these young people? Are you going to encourage them? Oh, I pray that none of you will be these parents who would say, don't surrender to the ministry, son. You could have been a lawyer. You could have been a doctor. There's nothing greater than having God call you to a specific area of service. And it might be that God has just called you to work with children. And you might feel like that I've not done much but teach a Sunday school class or junior church, but you cannot imagine what God is doing with that right now. Some of you that are teaching the Sunday school classes where some of these young people are, you would almost slip over the edge and get Pentecostal if God put his hand on them and they said, I want to serve the Lord. And if you don't feel that way, shame on you. But I know God. In the stillness. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to have a word of prayer and turn this over to Pastor. Oh, Father, we are so thankful tonight and grateful just for the opportunity to speak. Lord, I do pray. This will be a week for all these folks that have poured their lives and their work into this VBS and their time and their effort. Lord, the churches, the finances and all. Oh, God, I pray that you'll give us fruit for this labor. Lord, bless this church with souls. Lord, would you bless this church in another way? Oh, Lord, I'm asking. Lord, would you make your presence known, and maybe even tonight, to some of these young people? Lord, even if it's just one. And you want to put that special calling on their life. Oh, God, I'm talking about that humbling calling, that holy calling, that higher calling. Oh, God, I pray tonight, touch someone's heart. Lord, help us to understand your presence is here if we'll just turn and look in your face. God, help tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.